This episode is produced in partnership with Portland Marylebone, an independent retail destination within the Portman Estate, which is made up of 110 acres of elegant period property in the heart of Marylebone in London's West End. The area has been meticulously maintained by the estate for just under 500 years and is a hub for some of the city's most creative and characterful restaurants, galleries and independent fashion brands, as you're about to hear. So, without further ado, let's meet this week's guest. Hello lovely people and welcome once again to Handcut Radio. I'm your host, Alex Fetkovich. As you've just heard, this is the first of four episodes brought to you in partnership with Portland Marylebone. We've spent a bit of time this past month or so on the ground in Marylebone, meeting with independent brands that lend the estate its character, the first of which is a little bit different for us. We are, in fact, speaking to Rachel White moran and Simon Watkins, the co-founders of cult design store Labour and Weight, who opened their second London store on Dorset Street in the heart of Marylebone just last week. Funnily enough, Rachel and Simon began their careers in menswear, and I wanted to chat to them both about the principles of good design and to get some insight into the winning formula they followed since they launched Labour and Weight together in 2000. The brand's eye for quality is unmatched and its cult reputation is thoroughly impressive. So, here goes nothing, a conversation about design with Rachel and Simon. Well, Rachel, Simon, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for letting us into your beautiful new shop and for being a part of Handcut Radio. You are the first design store to feature on Handcut Radio. So this is a little different for us. We're quite excited about it. Um, And I'm excited to try something new and talk to a slightly different kind of brand today. Um, Could we start with a bit of a definition? How do you think of Labour and Weight as a brand? Are you a design shop? Are you a craft store, a design store, a general store? What kind of language do you use to talk about your brand? Well, I think we tend to refer to it as a general store, really, don't we? Yes, um, definitely. Although all the products that we select, um, you know, we, they are well-designed. We would consider them to be well-designed and functional. So that's where we, that's our starting point for everything, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We kind of, when we started, we really wanted that feel of a general store, almost like a sort of village shop or a, you know, a sort of um, like a community kind of shop. A very, so very chic Village shop, community shop. We like the idea of selling a a real diversity of products within quite a small space as well. So not being specialised into any particular product area. So we've got all different things mixed in together, and we always like that as well. Some Mm. of those, you know, shops that used to see years ago, where you'd have kind of strange things next to each other on the shelf. Mm. We always took that as a bit of an inspiration, didn't we? Mm. That was sort of our starting point, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And I I like this idea of a general store. I'm sort of thinking, you know, funnily enough, that always makes me think of the Wild West. Right. I don't know why, but it makes me think of spaghetti western films because there's always a general store and a uh, shootout in it, uh, which hopefully shall not be the case. (laughs) Not so far. I think think the word store, we were talking about this recently, weren't we, has a sort of slightly American kind of connotation, and we probably would think of it more as a shop. 
yes. than a stall. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the thing that makes the shop and or store special or the brand special is, as you've just said, the kind of philosophy that binds all the goods together. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit more about that? So functionality was the word that you mentioned. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And we like to source products from you know, companies that have been going for years and years and have a real history and a heritage behind them. And our, our starting point has always been the idea about you know, getting away from this throwaway society, about buying good quality things that are going to last. So we always select products that are made from really good materials, often natural materials, um, and things that we try and find things that look timeless. I know that's, that's quite a tricky thing, mm. isn't it? But um, we like it when you can't sort of pigeonhole products to a particular era. You could just have them for years and years, and you know, why wouldn't you still like that thing in 20 years' time? It's not going to date, it's not going to look out of place. Mm. As a style podcast, this, the concept of timelessness comes up a lot, and it always fascinates me to hear different definitions of what that yeah. really mm. means. Like we were talking to a guy yesterday who will be out. This is where I'm trying to imagine the future now. When your episode releases, he will be a few weeks after you, if that makes sense, listeners. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, he is super, super into the Ivy League and 1950s, 60s American oh, Ivy right. style. Yeah. And mm -hmm. for him, that is the pinnacle of timelessness. Uh -huh. okay. And it's yeah. just yeah. funny how these things, everyone yes. sort of defines it on their own. Yeah, terms. this is a difficult thing to define, isn't it? It's sort of like the Holy Grail in a way, isn't it? Trying to find those things which are absolutely, you know, stand the test of time. Mm. We always but said, didn't we, that we wanted products that you could put in a period environment like this, but equally you could put them, say, in a brutalist kind of concrete modern place and they'd still work so that yeah. they, you know, yeah, they will work in any... Any time. Any context. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's very, I mean, for us, it's all about the product, really, isn't it? And, yes. And the, the object itself has to stand up in its own right. And we think, you know, if, if things are good enough, they, they sort of hold their own wherever you position them, as it were. Well, this leads me nicely to, to spending a little bit of time on your kind of backstory. Um, because mm. while your reputations as the founders of Labour and Weight precede you, I don't know a huge amount about your individual stories and how you met. So mm. I'd love to hear a bit about that. I think you were both menswear designers yes. at one point. Yes, yes yeah. that's right, yeah, yeah. Tell me a bit about that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of, both of us had worked in various different kind of contexts. Yeah, we? Of, yeah. I'd worked for um, fashion forecasting companies. And oh, then wow. Sort of high street stores, and you'd worked, well, similar, well, in yeah, more yeah, for high street kind of. Yeah, high street, and also for, you know, London stores. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd worked across the board, really, and, but always in menswear. And I think yes. that's particularly because, you know, we like the idea, you know, menswear doesn't change as much. We've, we, we're never interested in that sort of quick fashion sort of no. element of women's wear. And we always came from that sort of timeless. And the idea behind the clothing that we have is that it's sort of unisex, really, isn't yeah. it? That everything is, yes. you know, can be worn by... Yeah, men and women, and and that yeah. and that was something that I always, personally, I always preferred menswear, <laughs> but could never find things that fitted. You know, that was right. always kind of so. The idea is that we, um, yeah, we have clothes that will go from quite small sizes right up to, you know, big sizes for men. Yeah, I mean, you you were always for yourself looking for sort of yeah menswear make particularly, yes. wasn't it? Because yeah, definitely. Menswear always has that attention to detail, yeah. and you know, which is yeah. used to say it would drive you mad that you know women's yeah. clothes hardly ever have decent pockets. And yeah, and then inside pockets. Thing. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing is made to that same standard. Yeah. So I think that's something. That's so funny. Yeah. My girlfriend is constantly despairing for trousers with pockets. Yeah, constantly. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so funny. It's crazy. Yeah. They put kind of little shallow pockets that you can't put anything in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it 
is crazy. It's yeah. nuts. But I think that's why you know menswear was was the area for both of us because it, it it changed the least and it does have yeah. an emphasis on quality. But but that said, we we over the years really got disillusioned with this idea about having to change everything every season and everything's got to be thrown out and start again. And we just thought, well. Why does it have to be like mm. that? Because we found that the things that we liked, whether it's clothing or household goods or whatever, didn't change in that way. We, we had very sort of consistent mm. um, range of products that we liked. And we thought, well, you know, maybe, why isn't there a shop where you can buy things like that? Why does everything have to be fashion, fashion? Yeah. And so, yeah. The, the, a thought has popped into my head that is off my list of questions, so forgive me, but this is fascinating, which is that... Uh, Everything about Labour and Mates is about this idea of, of something that has permanence and will last. Mm. But also, you've got to be comfortable with the idea of something ageing as well, yes, right? Absolutely, yes, absolutely, yeah. That's a yeah. good point. And improving yes. with age. Yes, yeah. Um, which comes up on the podcast constantly, but it right. makes me wonder, do you two think our society uh, is not comfortable enough with the idea of buying something and letting its character change over time? Because I always think, I hate that idea mm. that you wear it three times... If it's fast fashion, you wear it three times yeah. and, it get, and it goes wherever yeah. it goes. Yeah. Yes. Have we become un too uncomfortable as, as a kind of a society with the idea of letting goods age? I think possibly we have. I think, yeah, possibly we have, or m most people I have. I think it's sort of changing though, isn't it? We think it is now, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But I think people have been sort of led down that, you know, companies are always trying to sell things to you, and so therefore you sort of start to believe this myth that you need mm. new things all the time. So maybe that's, that's mm. something that's had an influence. But it's funny because, in a way, sort of British style is a lot about keeping things and having you know things and letting them age gracefully. And it's also interesting because people, you know, the whole thing about vintage clothing and people buying vintage things mm. has become quite big too. So maybe people are coming and people are recycling things now. It's interesting yeah. that I think it's Toast that's doing a thing where they're getting their old clothes and people are yeah. sort of crafting them and then they're going to auction them off, which is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Is, is that something you guys have picked up on, actually, that, that a certain consumer is becoming way more conscientious in that? Yeah, yeah I think so. And yeah. I think even yeah. when we started in 2000, we were amazed how quickly um, you know, those kind of people found us. Yeah. When, we, when we started yeah. the shop, lots of people thought, you know, what are they thinking? They've gone mad. You know? <laughs> yeah. You, yes, you don't have to sell something to them every week. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and what? You're getting excited about buckets and this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yes, but you know, really good buckets. But um, amazingly, you know, right since we started, those kind of people came to mm. us, and that's just got more and more. And I think with the whole sort of rejection of this whole throwaway society, I think people are coming even more and more now on board with the idea of, of buying things that last. Mm. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I, I wanted to pick up on something else actually, Rachel, it fascinates me that you went from trend forecasting, which is so <laughs> seasonal, what's coming next, what's coming yes. next, and then it's changing to, to labour and weight. Can I just ask, you've mentioned that you both became disillusioned with the pace of seasonality in, mm -hmm. in menswear. Mm -hmm. What was trend forecasting like? I mean, I've always thought that's quite a brutal environment. Yeah, um, don't really know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was a step, it was what I did when I first left college. Right. And then from then I went to work for sort of high street kind of store design, doing design. So I kind of had a you know, period in between that. But um, yeah, it was fun actually. I mean, it was, I think, being young as well then, and you know, it was quite exciting and thinking about new things. And it, obviously, times were very, very different then to yes, <laughs> how they course. are now. And the whole pace was much 
faster and people did, you know, change their fashions much more regularly. And so I think it was a very different world then really right i just think it's brilliant that you've gone that was where you started and then we find you today in, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the this shop that is all about permanence i think yeah. it's brilliant yeah. and i think also the older you get your your taste sort of becomes more defined doesn't it and you really realize what it is that you like and what it is you believe in and so things sort of crystallize yeah. a bit more but i think yeah. doing menswear as well even though it's forecasting it was still a lot of the menswear was based on very traditional kind of yes. basics you know and, and kind of traditional styling mm. so there was still an element of that even then and how did you two meet then when did when did you two meet and when did the idea for labour and weight start to form well bizarrely we met probably a hundred yards from where we're standing right now <laughs> oh, really? yeah. yes when we were working for a big high street retailer whose head office used to be very nearby oh. so that was that was quite strange yeah. but we had mutual friends didn't we yes so I'd been told a few times by a friend of mine, oh, you should meet. Oh, and we had Rachel, actually been you know. at things together, we had, we? but not really... But not spoken, not, really. not seen each other. We'd sat at the same... A friend's wedding <laughs> breakfast, we found out years later, we'd sat at the same yeah. table, but at different ends, so we hadn't ended yeah. up speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, then it was sort of... We started talking about the idea for the shop. Yeah. And it was sort of our escape route, really. And both sort of from, independently said, didn't yeah. we, that one day it would be really good to have a shop. You know, I yeah. like the idea of having a shop. Yeah. And then we just sort of talked about it, didn't we, for two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. funny how so many great duos form that way, isn't it? Uh, like, I, I always... I, I always think about you may know the name sort of Edward Sexton and Tommy Nutter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, they they met in the sort of front of house of a tiny little tailor's on Old Burlington Street that isn't there anymore in 67 68 mm. and then in 69 they were like sod this. Yeah. We're doing our own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny yeah. how you yes. you know these things break away. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we kind of talked about it, didn't we? And then we kind of said well, maybe we should try it, because if we don't, it'll be one of those things that we'll always regret that we yeah, haven't tried yeah. it and, you know, see whether it works or doesn't work. Yeah. And, and that well, was then in 2000. Yeah. It was, well, that it was, was before, before that then, when we yeah. started hatching the plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, a, it, it sort of was a kind of a crazy idea then that we thought, could we really put, you know, clothing and very practical household things in the same space in a small shop? You know, is that going to work? Yeah. And vintage things as well, because we'd also do some vintage products as well. So it was a kind of a, that mixture of things mm. that we felt that we hadn't really seen anyone doing. And, we, and we, we had a real feeling that it was going to work. But um, we had to just try it, really, didn't we? Yeah, it was quite interesting, because when we had our first meeting with the bank to talk about what we were doing, we were both not very good on the kind of... On the numbers. Sure. On the numbers. So we did, we did a visual kind of <laughs> a proposal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as opposed to a sort of financial one. Yeah. And... Um, We've still got that, haven't we? And it's yes. still basically the same things. Yeah, it's that. amazing because now and again we find it and we say, oh yeah, let's have a look at that. And actually we think, well, we haven't strayed from what we set out to do. <laughs> mm. Brilliant. Which is, yeah. yeah. That's why it's still working. That's the I thing. I think that is, is that, the, yeah. Um, yeah. yes. I, I this, we come across working. this in our work so often. A brand loses its way it, yeah. or has a midlife yeah. crisis or yeah. something because yeah. they deviate from yeah. that yeah. original yeah. vision. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. what we always say, isn't it? If yeah. people say, oh, what's the, what's the yeah. secret? And we think it's, it's actually having a really strong idea and absolutely sticking to it. Yeah. Mm. Because I think as soon as you start trying to follow trends and, you know, veer left and right, you just, you lose yourself. And but it's interesting because sometimes over the years we've kind of sort of found things and we've kind of thought, oh, I really like that. It doesn't really kind of 
fit, but could we go down that road? And then we've always sort of pulled ourselves yeah. back and we thought... And we have yeah. to... <laughs> we have <laughs> from the brink. Yeah, yeah, we have to both like all the products yeah. as well. That's the other thing. So sometimes one of us might sort of think, well, actually, I think that's really great. And if the other one's not so sure, yeah. then we sort of let it sort of simmer it. a little bit and then we'll, we won't do How, it. Does it ever get heated? Does it, are, are there ever, or are you... I don't think it ever has, no, actually. I don't think it? it has, really. No. Yeah. It's no. funny because I think that's the other thing. When you sort of start a brand like this, or maybe any brand, you, you know, initially you make all that, you choose the products to, to create that brand. And then the brand almost tells you the products after that, doesn't it? Mm. So it's almost, you, we can like things personally, but we just know it's not right for labour yeah. and weight. And that's the thing you've got to be really careful to make sure that you don't start sort of, you know, going off the yeah. rails. I, that's a brilliant piece of advice. I love that idea that the brand tells you what's right after a while, once yeah. the identity yeah. is kind it really of settled. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Um, I wanted to pick up on the name because the name is inspired. You know, it speaks to your <laughs> values and yet it sort of does everything. It, yeah. And it has that sort of timeless English connotation that we've touched on and it just, it works really mm. well. How did the name take shape? Did, it, did you instantly land on it or was that a no, process it's, of... It's, no, we didn't. For a long time no. we didn't know what the, what the name no. would be. But it's from a, a poem by Longfellow, actually. So, um, and it's about the sort of the sentiment about, you know, doing the work and waiting for the results. And again, that was something that we were keen mm. on. It wasn't about sort of instant gratification. So it was, you know, putting the time in and then and actually reaping the rewards later. Mm. And also because a lot of the things we sell are very practical, you know, mm. functional things that you'd use tools to do something. So it, it might be something to, for baking, mightn't it? Or yeah. it might be something for gardening yeah. or so you sort of, yeah. yeah. So about slowing down really, wasn't yeah. it? Enjoying the process of doing things, even, you know, very mundane household chores. We always used to say, you know, if you've got a decent dustpan and brush, even sweeping the floor is more yeah. enjoyable than some horrible plastic thing that yeah. looks dreadful, you know. <laughs> totally. So. That, that, that's also triggered a thought for me, which is something I've realised as I've got a bit older and kind of written on style for a bit longer and this sort of thing, is actually we, we are so used to instant gratification in all different mm. areas of our lives now. The things that are now most precious to me in my wardrobe, for example, mm. are often pieces that I wasn't that excited about when I bought them. But for whatever reason, mm. I've gone, oh, do you know what? I'll just sod it. I'll have it. I'll have yeah. it rather than yeah. not yeah. have it. Yeah. And, and six months later, you find that you're coming back to it more than anything else yeah. or it's aged, started to age well. Yes. And you connect with it on a different level. And I actually think there's something nice about the fact that you can come in here and buy something that you think is just kind of nice. Mm. And then six months later, you've realized it's become absolutely indispensable in your life. Yeah. 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 And there's actually that growth of yeah. how you connect with the product over time, I think, is really special. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you almost sort of personalise it, don't you? No. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I we've touched on some. I'm racing through my questions because we've touched on quite a lot already. I, I wanted to just ask straight up how you define good design. Now you've talked a bit about functionality and mm -hmm. longevity in these yes. things, but what are the kind of? Do you have any other design principles that you you look for in in a product? Well. Functionality is one of yes, the key yeah. things, isn't it? Cri yeah. Key criteria. Yeah. Um, but also kind of well-made, um, good material, Yeah. made of good And as things. you touched on earlier, you know, materials that will age gracefully. Because we've always said that right from the start, haven't we? Mm. That we like things that mellow and, almost, and even improve sometimes mm. the older they get. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And also, we like things that don't really shout 
don't we, in yeah. terms of design. It's quite, discreet. quite Yeah, exactly, because they're sort of objects for the background of your life, you know, it's not sort of, we don't want things that sort of, you know, you enter a room and it sort of jumps out at you. We want, these are the things that sort of sit in the background, perform their function well, and sort of enhance your life, mm. really. Yeah. So that's I, I love that. That's again a great sentiment, and makes me sort of think of back back to the point of a moment ago of some of the clothes that I feel really enhance my life that I didn't necessarily think would do that when I first picked yeah. them up in the same quite mm. the same way. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I, I also wanted to ask how you go about sourcing new products. Um, you've mm. you've mentioned you both have to like them. Yeah. But there's stuff in here that you know I just you, you don't know, where do you even begin to find all these little <laughs> makers and brands and. Pre-COVID, were you travelling all over we the were, place? We were, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that was the best way to find yes. things, wasn't it? Pre-COVID, yeah. we would, we would sort of visit a particular city and, you know, in a particular country, and we just literally walk the streets yeah. and see what we could find. Really, funny yeah. hardware yeah. shops or kind of odd <laughs> stationery shops. Yeah, or <laughs> sort of digging around, and then you, you would find things, because we very quickly realised. I mean, we visited some of the big trade fairs. And, you know, you can see some nice things, but then every store's got the same mm. things. Mm. And we just thought, well, no, that's not mm. for us. We need to find things, you know, that are more personal and more individual. So we found that, that literally visiting, you know, putting in the legwork and uh, rummaging around mm. in little old shops and things, that's where we, that's where we find the, the good things. And sometimes it? now, with suppliers that we've worked with for a long time, we go and do visits, and sometimes we'll go through their archives and might see something yeah. there that's kind of, yeah. that we can re... Bring back to life. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. That's the thing. So some of our kind of key suppliers that we've worked with for a long time, we, we do special products with them. So as Rachel says, you know, we can go over there and and work with them and develop mm. something that's exclusive for labour and work. Because that's the other thing we found, isn't it? That since the shop became popular, we then started finding, you know, things that we'd found in the most obscure place would then be cropping up in other shops. Yeah, a mm. bit of copycatting. Absolutely, yeah. And so sort of always to try and find mm. new things. And we thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll do more of our own exclusives so that there is something special about, you know, buying from labour and weight. Brilliant. Mm. Love it. Okay. Mm. I was also going to ask, <laughs> does there, are there any kind of um, sort of, what, I don't know what the word is, like stress tests on a product? Do you, do, will you kind of road test a product for a few months before you, you decide that it makes the shot? Not particularly, do we? Not, no. 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 Beforehand. <laughs> we sort of tend to, we kind of have a gut feeling for it don't yeah. we, in the beginning. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Gut feeling yeah. is good. Yeah. We like gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the most annoying things that happens is that, um, you know, products that we really like and that we've sold for a long time, uh, we'll find that suddenly the manufacturer will change them. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, mm. even products that have been the same way for years and years, yeah. you suddenly think, well, they've changed the handle. Why have they done that? Yeah. You know, and then we end up dropping things which... Uh, you know, have been really good, but just because we can't live with that new handle or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just, yeah. That's, that's quality yeah. control for you. Um, yeah, that's a bit or, depressing. Or, or some suppliers yeah, don't sadly, exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. sadly yeah. go under, and that's another real yeah. That real must shame. happen. I mean, that must come yeah. up every now and then. It yeah. does, yeah, it does. Yeah. But hopefully, I mean, what we've always sort of hoped to do by, you know, finding these interesting manufacturers is that we can kind of shine a spotlight on something that maybe has been a bit forgotten about. Mm. I mean, there are mm. products that we sell that have been in constant production, you know, for 50, 60 or more years, but yet people will come in and say, oh God, you know, my mum used to have one of those. I haven't seen one for years. And they've been made, but they just haven't been put in front of the right customer, as it were. 
Yeah. So mm. people sort of rediscover things, don't they? Mm. And hopefully in that way you can sort of keep some of these businesses going. Mm. That's awesome. Well, actually talking about business then, I wanted to ask a little bit about how the business has grown over the years. I think you have a number of stores in Japan now, is that right? We have yeah. concession. We have yeah, concession. We have yeah. we've got one store. One, and, one and standalone store, yeah. And then many concessions, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So big in Japan. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sort of there, there are certainly more places in Japan where you can walk into a labour and weight space yes. than there are in the UK, yeah. And what do you think about that market and that part of the world? Has, why has labour and weight resonated so well over there? And also, how did that take shape? When did you... When did someone approach you or you decided yeah. to open a shop in Japan? Well, we had our little shop, didn't we, in Cheshire Street. Yeah. And we used to get a lot of Japanese customers coming in. Quite often they'd come in with a little bit of paper torn out of a magazine with a map on it. And, you know, they would have found their way to yeah. Cheshire Street. Love it. And in those days, Shoreditch was like the Wild West, wasn't yes. it? So, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you'd see these people would arrive with sort of fear <laughs> in their eyes. You know, they'd come to the, wherever are we, but we've come to find this little shop. Yeah. yeah. So we'd always thought Japan would be an interesting place yeah. for us, wouldn't we? Yeah. Just, again, I guess a gut feel for given the customers that were coming in. Yes, yeah. And, and I think, sort of from what I did, I had a more limited understanding of the Japanese market, but certainly been borne out with our experience of going mm. there, is that the Japanese seem to have a real uh, appreciation for sort of heritage and mm. craft and for uh, products with a story and companies with a history. They, they love all that. So they really you know, search out those brands and mm. those companies. Yeah. Mm. So we, we felt it would be a good fit for Labour mm. and Weight. And then luckily we were actually approached weren't yes, we, through, we were. through one of our British manufacturers that we work with who also are quite big in Japan. One of their main contacts in Japan said, do you think Labour and Weight would be interested in doing something with us? They'd so been to the shop, hadn't they, they had, one of them? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. And you jumped at it or you were nervous? How did you no. We don't it? jump at many things. <laughs> no, no. We were nervous and we just thought, oh, well, how on earth can that work? Or oh, we can never do that. And so no. we, we, we really <laughs> tried to avoid it actually, didn't we, yeah, for a long time? We, we just couldn't quite work out how you could have a business in Japan, especially this business, because it's, it is quite personal, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, we. Everything, the way we put things together, it's very sort of personally created. And we thought, well, how could we do that the other side of, of the world? Yeah. They sort of persuaded but, us to go over there, didn't they? Yeah. After yeah. A while. So you went on a recce. They, yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. And then we yeah. kind of got talked into everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. And they, they sort of gave us the confidence to do it, yeah. Yeah. And just so I can get a sense of timeline, you opened in 2000. When did that yeah. process begin of sort of opening in Japan? Mm. I think it was... I don't know, it's I probably only a couple of years after we'd yeah. opened, I'd have thought, wasn't it? I think we probably, we... maybe 2005, 2006, something oh, like that. Were we? Cool. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Not a, not a very long time. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're looking at 21 years now. That's right, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> tell me what it's been like to, to, to run your own business for, for all that time. How, what are some of the challenges you faced in growing labour and weight along the way? Well, one of the big <laughs> challenges has been yeah. really what we said earlier with suppliers, isn't yeah. it? And kind yeah. of, you know, suppliers either changing things or not producing things anymore and that type of thing. So that's been a bit of a challenge, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Did, were, there any, were there ever any moments where you thought, God, we need to walk away from this? Or were there any moments that really tested you? Or not, not really? I don't think so particularly, because I think mm. we've been very cautious and we've grown things very slowly and I think 
a mistake that a lot of people make is that they kind of expand too quickly and kind of and we've you know literally like we said we've yeah. always gone very very slowly and and not done that and so it's sort of grown slowly hasn't it and yeah kind of and certainly I, I feel it's it's been a very sort of natural thing it's not there's been nothing sort of forced about it at all mm. so I think that's 21 years have gone by really quickly mm. Uh-huh. You know, I, I almost can't believe that's how long ago it was that we started. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that that's a really lovely thing to hear. And it also, again, resonates with quite a few guests we've had on previously who have grown their businesses slowly mm. and right. kept control of it and, you know, resisted anyone else kind of coming in yeah. and just made sure they've, they've really, again, stayed clear to that vision and grown yeah. in yeah. a healthy way. Yeah. Um, it comes up so often, you know, there's... It's, there's there is a lesson to learn there for sure. Yes, um, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Because we have been approached over the years, haven't we, by lots of different companies yeah. to open either in department stores here or in America or, you know, various places. Yeah. And we've always sort of resisted, really, yes, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We always just, unless it's absolutely uh, right. I mean, yeah. We have our space in Dover Street Market, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, that was great, wasn't it? Yes. When they asked us to do yeah. that, we thought, well, that is one space that we would, we would really like to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been quite yeah. exciting to work with them. And that just felt yeah. right. Mm. It did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were amazed because when, when that um, when Dover Street Market first opened, the initial store, you know, everybody was talking about it and we went and had a look and thought, wow, that's, you know, amazing, what an amazing mm. idea. And we sort of said, you know, oh, when we get our space in there almost as yeah. a joke, and then we got the call, yeah. didn't we? So it was, it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Hello. Yeah. 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 Um, having said you have always been very cautious, you are in the process of, or as we stand here in this lovely new shop that isn't quite open yet, but yeah. will be open when this airs, yeah. uh, you're in the process of opening a brand new bricks and mortar shop at the tail end of a global pandemic. We are, That's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about what uh, the pandemic's been like for you as a business? Well, actually, I mean, it was terrifying at the beginning. I mean, the, the whole idea of actually having to close our shop, I mean, we couldn't imagine such a thing, could we? No. And, and obviously that's no. been devastating for so many businesses. Mm. But we've been so lucky that we had a quite a well-established online business and actually that just picked up and, and mm. we, we had fantastic sales, didn't we, online? Yes. Yeah, and really we're just so grateful us, that our customers stuck with us and we uh, lots of new people found us and who are continuing to buy. So that's, I mean, that saved us, actually. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 I, it did occur to me, when I was preparing for this conversation, it did occur to me that, you know, uh, all we've been able to do for the past however many 14, 15 months now is look after our homes. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah. And actually yeah. to, mm. you know, stores like yeah. yours, where, which is filled with beautiful homeware, hopefully yeah. uh, people would have gravitated yeah. towards, which it sounds like they did. Well, they did, they did, and, it, and we're really grateful for yes. that. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we, we could never have imagined, could we, really? No, no. Um, yeah, no. but um, yeah, so here we are now in a new bricks and mortar store yeah yeah and why <laughs> the portman estate why the heart of Maryland? why did this place feel right well it's an area that we knew um as we mentioned yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yes made, yeah and it, i mean personally i've always been very intrigued by this area i always really liked chilton street it used to have lots of speciality shops yeah. on there which have changed over the years but still has a really kind of unique identity i think 
And we like the idea that it's a real community here. Yeah, there are lots it's of people that actually live here. It is a proper neighbourhood, you know. It's yeah. got functioning businesses that you need in, an, in a real neighbourhood. So despite the fact that it's in the West End of London, it's got a real kind of personal feel. Mm. It, does, it really does, you know, as we've put these little four episodes together, I've picked up on that more and more, not just through having conversations with business owners mm. like you guys, but actually just from spending a bit of time primarily on Chilton Street, mm-hmm. you know, the dudes in the cafe are some of the friendliest people we've ever mm. met. We've been yeah. back like four or five times now, every time we come here. Yeah. Um, we've just popped into the newsstand down the other end of the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the propri- I'm obviously being a journalist, I'm into my magazines and James is a designer is into his magazines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I haven't been in there for three years, and he recognised me straight away. That's, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. But uh, it, 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 there is a real lovely kind of genuine community spirit, yeah. I think, here, which there you is. do not expect to find. No, in the of no. we've had lots of people, haven't we, just calling in and we saying have, hello in the last couple of good weeks. Luck yeah, welcome yeah. to the neighbourhood, and yeah. oh, you know, we can't wait till you open, and, and that's that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you really, you know, city centres have that reputation for being quite impersonal but so far our experience here has been quite the opposite Mm. yeah yeah it's fab yeah well i've got one more philosophical one for you and then i've got a fun one for you okay Uh, (laughs) the philosophical one is um something i always like to ask and it is what is the single most important thing you guys have learned in building this business over the years if you could pass on one piece of advice to our listeners what would it be I think it's probably what we said earlier, isn't it? About yeah. sticking to our that's absolutely sticking it, to I our think, original yeah. concept and yeah. feeling confident with it. Yeah, and just be confident and stay with it. And I think, you know, it, it sometimes it takes time. I think rather than sort of panicking and jumping ship, if it's slow to begin with, if if you can, just really stick with it and actually the right people will find you and then they'll tell their friends. And I mean, we've built this mm. business almost entirely on word of mouth yeah. because we've, we've never advertised. No. So no. it's, you know, and obviously, um, you know, social media has helped us in the last few years. But for the, for the beginning decade, mm. there was none of that, was no. there? It was literally all through no. word of mouth and people telling their friends and, and it, it's just grown exponentially mm. like that. It goes back to one of my absolute favourite kind of business guru quotes, which is a guy that we interviewed not for the podcast, but for an Instagram live during the first lockdown, a guy called David Hyatt, who owns Hoyt Denim in Wales. Oh, right. yeah. He said, he's got a quote I've got pinned on my workboard that is something like, uh, if you're a cheesemaker, just make great cheese. Exactly. Yes. And exactly people that. will find yes. you. Yeah. I've yeah. probably <laughs> quoted that previously on the yeah. podcast. I think exactly. James is looking at me like yeah. I have. So you've had that a, a second time, listeners. Yeah. Um, exactly that. I mean, that's that's yeah. exactly what we'd say, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because I think so many, <laughs> so many brands and businesses over the years that you know start off doing something and with a really strong idea and then they start to sort of water it down and diversify into other areas and until in the end it becomes meaningless and I think if a customer doesn't know what that brand stands for it's 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 lost Mm. it really Mm. it just becomes another name in a sea of you know a sea of other brands really yeah yeah I think there's also something in there about you know sort of making the the own decision as a business owner or as the kind of guardian of a brand or however you want to phrase it as to what do you actually want to achieve and how much is enough 
Yes. Because you two didn't kind of go, we want to take over the world mm, and we want a no, store in every city no. and we want to be selling X a mm, week. No. You know, it's never been about that for no, you guys. No, no, no. We came from completely the other side. As Rachel yes. said earlier, you know, we, we didn't come from a business side. We didn't start it thinking, oh, all right, this is the end yeah. game and this is the, you know, financially at all. It was actually about our sort of creative fulfilment and all of that. That was mm. what was the important thing, mm. wasn't it? And then the rest. The rest follows. That. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a wonderful lesson there for all of us, um, which is lovely. Um, thank you, guys. <laughs> One more for you while we're here. Um, <laughs> what have you got in store at the moment that we should all immediately rush out and buy? Have you, have you, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> is there anything that you found recently that you're particularly pleased with, or that you you'd like to kind of shout out as a little something that you think is quite well, cool? I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed with that um, lidded bin in the window there. Uh, <laughs> enamel lidded bin. I just think it's such a great object. And, the you know, the, the yeah, speckled bin. That one, yeah, with the handle. So good for, like... You know, yeah, that's your food. latest, isn't it? Kitchen yeah. food waste, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's my latest obsession. I really yeah. like it, yeah. It is lovely. <laughs> lovely. And actually, it's selling indigo. very well, isn't it? Because yeah, it is. I was very, very, very keen on it, but I just thought, will re people really go for that? But it's actually a very hot seller at the moment, <gasps> mm. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Getting quick, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got um, some pottery coming, haven't we, from yeah. a new uh, supplier in France, which we're quite excited yeah. about. And hopefully we're going to be able to do some sort of collaborations with them yeah. and develop some new products. So that's something sort of in the pipeline. Nice. And I guess the other thing about here, of course, is it's always changing, right? So you can come in every month and find something new. Yeah, we, we add new things. But yeah. a lot of it, actually, we, we just continue to sell because, you know, there that's the, that's the brief, really, yeah. isn't it? It's timeless. Yeah. So people will come and rebuy or you know other people discover things but yeah a lot of the products that we that's another thing really a lot of products we yeah, sell we've had right from the we've had right from we? the start so you don't always need to change everything all the time if it's good enough it can stay you know yeah brilliant well guys mm. thank you so much i really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> lovely you. to meet you both and thanks for coming on the podcast thank, thank you. you there you are guys another episode done and dusted be sure to check out Labour & Weight's new store when you can. It really is an absolute treat to peruse. Please also do subscribe to Handcut Radio on Spotify, even if you're listening in through our website or via Apple Podcasts. It will really help us to reach more listeners over there, and we'd really appreciate the support. Handcut Radio is produced by Birch, the London-based creative office of James Allen, which specialises in lifestyle and luxury. Our sound editor and theme music composer is Mr. Joe Boyd. You can hear more from him by following at This Is Joe Boyd. As always, thank you very much indeed for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed and we'll see you back here soon. <laughs>